Hi everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Pod, where we talk about the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. I'm Matthew, I'm joined as ever by Abby. Hello. And I'm joined by Laura. Hello. So we are making a triumphant return with the first Series 2 of all the series. We have Series 2 of Loki, kicking off with the episode Our Rob or Ross. So my first question to <laughs> both of you is, who is Rob and who is Ross? What? The only reason I get that joke is I literally have in front of me Loki episode one, Aurorabaras. It's been a really long day. Abby, you should have fought harder to host this one. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, the thing that's really good is I'm stealing that joke from other pop culture. Oh, Clearly neither you? of you know that pop culture. No. So great. It's a Matthew original. It's really good. It's okay. very clever. <laughs> to be fair, it um, does have the ring of a Matthew original. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it's going to be a long show. It's going to be, it's going to be cracking. This is going to go great. So on point. Matthew has a list of jokes. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, I have another podcast, so I am not rusty. I have been podcasting for a few weeks now because the, the Bake Off is back. If you like the Bake Off, come and listen to Worth the Calories. On with Loki. What did you think of Loki, our Rob or Ross, Abby? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a TV series that's on. Um, I, I, it was, it was on, and I watched it. And I, I at some point I thought it might start, and then it finished, and and then it had been there. And I thought, well, it looks really nice, and the music is really good, and um, that's kind of happened in this episode and i have one big question that i'd like to ask everybody um which which i would very seriously like your thoughts on what aspects of loki's character made this the show loki as opposed to literally any other marvel character who would have been in the same situation like how was this a show about the god of mischief where was where was loki in the loki show I, can I can I pause that yes, question? And, we, and that is a very good question. And I think we have someone um, who can answer that if they've watched Loki series one, who can talk about his his arc and what he's going through. When we get through this series, I think it's going to build through. Have we got a surprise guest? Because I didn't understand no. any of that. No, because no, that's you, Lord. Oh, that was my fear. <laughs> that was my fear. We've got someone who may yet realise that. I was really hoping a window Laura's was going to pop up with our expert. First, I want Laura's opinion, and then I'm going to ask the question. Yes, Laura, do you crap. think this episode is building on his arc, or oh, is okay. it just a, just a whole different series yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah, two yeah, years yeah, later, yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, don't, okay. we don't know? Right. And, and I'm talking about this normally because I don't want Abby to cut any of this. This is proper behind the curtain stuff. Oh, was I supposed to cut some of this stuff? <laughs> You're gonna have. You have to be very clear. Oh, if I'm editing edit. a show, you have to tell edit. me. I didn't would... cut anything. I left it all in for you. That's that's really um, my approach to editing. Anyway, really, really interesting opinion Abby, because that's I feel like what I normally come with with like, well, the episode happened and there was it had the movements of an episode. <laughs> I don't know whether it is my opinion on this. We'll come to that in a minute. Uh, Laura, what did you think of it? Right, insert audio eye rolling at you two. <laughs> I did rewatch Loki season one um, this weekend. Before I watched this episode, um, and it made me realise how good that season was. Uh, I was meaning uh, to actually go back and just have a quick listen to one of our episodes because I couldn't remember if I'd liked it. I think I kind of liked it the first time, but I can't quite remember to what degree. But rewatching it this time and comparing. I'm going to have to compare it to like Secret Invasion <laughs> because that's our latest offering. And good God, this is a huge high quality show in comparison. <laughs> the writing performance is the production design. I love the production design. Um, these like practical sets or if they're, I mean, if they're CGI, they're bloody good CGI. But and the detail, um, just so many little touches. Um, and to me, it feels it does feel like this episode is more of the same and is a continuation of his arc. Um, but I am pleased I went back and watched because, yes, I think if I'd come to this, because what was it, two years ago? Roughly? At least, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I was thinking more of Loki of old, who had gone all the way through to Endgame, then, yes, I would be a bit kind of like, who is this bloke? But as we need to remember... Well, I'm answering the question. I'm just continuing on. I'll just keep talking. Um, as, as we remember, um, he branches off in 2012, uh, Avengers, and that's the Loki we're dealing with. He then has some incredibly quick character development. 
during Loki season one. But at the end of that, he leaves um, the finale of season one, having had Sylvie has grabbed him and kissed him and then chucked him away. He doesn't know what's happened to her. He doesn't know what's happening. He's mm-hmm. turned up, you know, he's been told all the way through season one. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was when they put him in the time cell with Sif. And she keeps coming in and saying to him, you know, you're worthless. You'll always be alone. I hope you know that you'll always be alone. If you think he has that, he then, and he, then he finds Sylvie and he makes friends with Mobius. And yet at the very end of that season, he's lost Sylvie. He doesn't know what's happened to her. Um, and she's rejected him. And then he runs to Mobius and Mobius says, I don't know who you are. And so that desperation that we get with him in season, in episode one, with the time slipping on top and not knowing what was going on there, with the issues going on with, um, well, does this mean now we've got a million, he wouldn't know there's Kangs, but Kangs coming. I think that panicked, desperate version we get, I do think is actually quite a neat, because this does come immediately after the end of season one. But yeah, so basically, coming back again around to my overview, I, I just really, to me, it felt like quality Marvel again. Um, not that I've been a oh my god it's all been downhill you know Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was fantastic um, and there's been plenty of um, phase 4 that I enjoyed but this as far as the TV side of things has gone it's been a while since I felt like okay great we're in and you know I love all of the questions and the puzzles and everything and there's plenty of that we don't know what's happening so um, so that kind of feeds in and I also think this episode did a really good job of making Kang threatening even though we never mm. actually see him, mm-hmm. versus Quantumania, where, and with the whole Jonathan Majors thing, I'm just going to talk about him as his performance because mm-hmm. we've got him in some way, shape, or form for this mm-hmm. this season, this um, season at least. Um, but you know, his performance in Quantumania was um, was fantastic, so that he made it very menacing. The actual writing of him, I didn't think was, you know, and the fact okay. he gets beaten up by the ants and ant man so easily. Whereas in this, he felt incredibly threatening, and the fear from Loki made him made him threatening. Hmm. That ends my TED talk. Very nice, thank you, and and useful because I had been thinking about rewatching it again mm. because yeah, July twenty twenty one, series one and I I wow. think yeah, this is benefiting so much from being able to build on something that came before Mm. more than pretty much any other TV series has been able to. Because we've had TV shows that are origin stories Mm -hmm. and we have TV shows that are continuing stories for like WandaVision, but in completely new establishments. Yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been, you know, it's a new, new world order, you might say. And what does that mean? And how do we deal with that? This now coming in and being like, right, we, we get time travel, we get the powers here. We get the multiverse idea that's going on here. Let's just deal with it and start moving on. So we can start introducing silly MacGuffins straight away. Time aura things and and loom of doom and so on. Big wanted vibes where I think they did literally have the loom of doom. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 God, I've forgotten about that film. Yeah. It's not not a film that you should be calling to mind. (laughs) Your thing. The loom Um, stuff was weird. I think this show, and I'm hoping this is what we're going to get for the rest of the series, is prepared to lean into the the engine that is Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson acting together. Because the the big scene that they share in the middle where Tom Hiddleston is trying to explain to him the situation, how serious it is, how important it is, and you've got Hiddleston acting like this is the, the, the most dramatic Shakespeare he is coming over hills and shouting counties and all this sort of thing. It's a mm. Richard the Third type moment, which is, and he's giving that theatrical performance. And then you've got Owen Wilson being like, "Wow, well, let's work it out. Let's just deal with one problem, you know." Hey, and just the, the other end of it gone. In one scene, Obi says, "Wow," Loki says, "Wow," and Mobius doesn't say, "Wow." <laughs> oh, come on! And well, I feel like the wow is a. Um, Owen Wilson and I forgot the actor's name already. Oh, um, <laughs> K. Huquan. How are we pronouncing this? K. Huquan. Um, I feel okay. like him going wow to stuff is even from a Goonies Indiana Jones 
Yeah, it's very much within the character type isn't it? thing within within his style. On, on yeah, this. I feel like it took a very long time in series one to get us the two of them together, and then mm-hmm. we got a bit of them together, and then they split off and started doing their own thing, and then Owen Wilson wasn't really in it very much anymore. And I think they've realised actually they're a really good pairing. Let's do more of them. I don't think in season one it didn't feel like it took them that long to get Mobius and him together. Okay. Maybe on, on my a fr- on, yeah, say. absolutely. On my memory, you know. I think getting that so it was the relationship, yes. Mm-hmm. But mm. I think it's in the first mm. episode they do the interrogation. There's a lot of back and forth. Mm. I did, I did. This was a lot more dramatic mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. some of the stuff earlier in Loki season one. But like I said, I think that's based on what he is going through. There's the little um, the little funny bit about how um, who won in the fight and <coughs> yeah, oh it's yeah, a draw yeah. so simultaneously kicked each other through time doors um but yeah it, it was missing some of the, the fun elements but i think that's kind of fitting for everything's falling apart and you know i i think the fun elements are supposed to come from obi yes now. very much yeah. that was that was what that was uh here to deliver and so so i'm i'm hopeful for it i enjoyed what we had um as ever it will probably work even better as you found laura when it's binged and all put together but that's mm-hmm. not how we're doing it we're going to talk episode to episode. Um, so what's on your list of things that we should be digging into? I mean, I think I, I, I would say that I remember the podcast better than I remember the show when it comes to the first series. <laughs> That's not that unusual for me with Marvel, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasting is how I learn about what happened in the Marvel <laughs> things that are not Guardians of the Galaxy. But I do remember it was very variable, the first series. And there were some episodes that I know I really, really liked, and there were some I really did not, and there were sort of elements I liked and things I really didn't, and there were some bits that I thought were really badly written in the last series. I'd also like to just sort of give a minute to the kind of context that we're in. I mean, you mentioned it sort of briefly, Matthew, and how this benefits from being the first TV show to get a second series. But I think also we talked a lot, a lot um, about how the first series was affected by the time it was made and, you know, kind of the COVID scenarios and how hard they had to work to actually get the show filmed and made and we gave it quite a lot of grace I think so it's kind of nice to hear Laura that you went back and really got a lot out of it as a solid show because I think we were pretty picky I think we were pretty picky and again it's the context that I'm watching it now having Mm. had some pretty variable for me some of the films although I went back and watched Love and Thunder I don't know why (laughs) <laughs> um, so I'm part way. Th- well, I'm part through through a re- rewatch, but I'm stuck at Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it's mm. not for that reason. But anyway, I watched it on Sunday afternoon or something, and it was better. But I think it's like with the Rise of Skywalker, I'm fine with it now because it kind of doesn't matter as much now. You know, it's not the the latest one or the future of the what have you. I've not been mm. excited looking forward to it. So now it's kind of like oh, it's yeah, it's better than I remembered. I and, really liked Love and Thunder, but then I would. But then. Would. I think your point about After Secret Invasion, which really After showed Secret us Invasion. just how boring. Oh, my God. Yeah. So so watch, watching the first season of Loki compared to Secret Invasion, it's like night and day. Night and day. Absolutely. So um, I would recommend going back and pro- watching the finale mm. if, if you don't want to do the whole six. So I think that really does then set this one up and I think where we're going as well. Mm. I, I did here because I think they did um, a BFI screening or something of the first couple of episodes and I did hear some just a a kind of almost like a trailer level spoiler for the next episode and Mm. it did make me really interested Mm. to watch and just think oh maybe maybe this is going to be like an interesting fun series it was Mm. you know just a very small thing that will happen next episode and I thought oh this could be good and I thought I didn't need very much to be excited for it and I really cannot emphasize enough how good it looked. Mm-hmm. Like, it I mean, look even my good wife was just sat there saying, it's just nice to look at, isn't it? Like yeah. everything, every every part of the scene, it really feels like they put money into the advertising, the labeling, no new design classics. I am sorry to say, oh, I had nothing notes. new. I know. Classic. Nothing new yet, but we live in hope. We do live in hope. Um, clearly they have an eye, so maybe we'll get some. As we go through, but um... so, so as far as what's going on, I thought there's some quite interesting stuff going on, and because at the end of the last season, again I haven't gone back and listened to our podcast, but my expectation coming into this was going to be that he's in a different universe, and that's why they don't remember him. But actually, it turning out that it's the same one, but it's in the past. 
was really interesting. So, oh, wait mm-hmm. a second, this isn't what I was expecting. And that it then turns on its head that, well, time doesn't work that way in the TVA. Well, clearly it does. Um, and so, yeah, I've just got all these questions now. You know, why did he feel the need to create the timekeepers? What went wrong the first time? Um, how many times has he wiped all these variants' memories? What is going on with, Mo- with um, OB, though? I'm going to have to call him OB because I can't pronounce that word. Um, because he's saying, oh, it was 400 years ago when I saw Mobius, so he's not been wiped, or at least he's not been wiped for 400 years, and Mobius has been wiped since then because he doesn't remember that, um, which I was kind of sitting there sort of yelling at the TV, ask OB what happened, because <laughs> clearly he remembers at least further back than you guys do as to what was going on. And then, you know, and then there's the future flash forward with who's pruned him, what's still be doing in the lift, what is the phone thing about? Because it was really weird that was ringing for so long and he didn't answer. He just sort of stood there staring at it. And there's something very strange going on with this new Hunter X5 and General Docs. Mm. That bit when they she like pulls him towards her, foreheads mm. together, hand on the back yes. of his neck. Incredibly intimate. Mm. But she didn't exactly seem like a touchy-feely kind of person. <laughs> And that's so. So I'm going to call out Kate Dickey, who is yeah. playing Docs, who mm-hmm. is a remarkable bit of casting for that because it, yeah. it brings everything from her as Lisa Aaron in Game yes. of Thrones. She's in a, uh, I think it's Andrea Arnold film uh, called Red Road, which mm-hmm. has some of the sorts of slightly odd, slightly weird vibes. I mean, it's a it's a strong independent drama. Um, mm-hmm. I'm say nothing uh, nothing to, to to spoil or take away from it, but again, it's got slightly. Oh, this is going places that I didn't expect it to go to. Oh, and she's exactly the right sort of person to pull that off. So, can I just jump in there as well? Say, have either of you watched series two of Good Omens? Yes, because yes, um, this also has Liz Carr yeah, Liz in it Carr, as well. Who is playing um, Judge Gamble? So, speaking of bringing in some angelic casting, I just thought <laughs> it must have matched up very neatly with with Good Omens or something. But just that that was really. Nice to see them. Uh... I like her whenever she turns up. I was surprised actually yeah. because obviously I did Doctor's Watch, uh-huh. bringing that one back. But I don't yeah. think we did it last. I don't think we brought well, it, it in last time. It wasn't for this show, was it? Wasn't there another show? I don't that... think we got there. It was Moonlight. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't, think, yeah, I don't we think we were doing it yet. Yeah, so yeah. I did Doctor's Watch. And so I looked her up. Um, spoiler, she's not part of the Doctor's gang. But what I was really surprised is how little she's been in. Because I, I was expecting, mm. you know... Mm. 70 odd credits or something but she's actually not been in very much and it's quite recent started acting or at least mm. stuff that shows up on imdb maybe mm. she did a lot of stage work before i don't know but yeah and, i love her when she turns up so so this is what i enjoyed about it that we didn't have to have exposition of particularly what was going on and clearly it's going to come with some of these questions mm-hmm. um i mean laura i don't think we're gonna get answers to every question we have there some of them <laughs> Very clearly need to be answered very soon, but I... Then I will be writing a firmly worded letter. <laughs> Dear Mr. Feige. Yes. <laughs> I think you're I, I think... my show and I have thoughts. <laughs> I, I think you're right, though, because they, they didn't necessarily need to kind of land us with, with so much background, because when you've got casting that good, mm-hmm. you're engaged anyway. You you don't need... um, You, you don't need the... the script to do the work for you in the same yeah. way yeah. and so for me i think that's why this was a good first episode for me because it set up a load of questions um i i really love what tom holland <laughs> it'd be a very different loki what tom hiddleston is doing in this one because it is such full-on and oh when he takes the pointy time stick thing and hits it against the wall and then is ba- the brokenness in his voice and i just thought he was fantastic mm. doesn't mean i necessarily want to watch six episodes of that mm. okay. do you know I, I think it actually makes sense for the situation he's in at the moment i'm hoping when we get him and sylvie back together which i assume we will at some point um and then some more time with him and mobius we can get some more of the fun into it as well so that we do get more of that mischievous right. stuff i wonder because i've watched quite a lot of hiddleston mm. stuff and um, I'm a big fan of his Shakespeare and all of the, you know, all of the varied things that he's so good at. And also kind of a lot of the, he's done some really good kind of fluff throwaway sorts of things as well. And I just, I, he's he's an incredible actor. And I think that maybe that's what I was finding a little bit was I didn't feel that he was doing 
Loki, not necessarily. It didn't help that the Disney thing was like, let's catch up with the God of Mischief. And I thought, well, that's not <laughs> No, he's not here. very mischievous. And that's really interesting, actually, then, as to how this will work going forward. Because if you think in season one and before that, a lot of his mischievousness has been double-crossing and, mm. um, and out-and-out lying and all that kind of stuff. Are we going to see him doing that with Mobius now, given where they've got to in their friendship? Well, it's it, it, it's a nice way that you can take it to do God of Trickery. Mm. But I think and also he is experiencing what you could say is is a sense of trickery, you know, all of this kind of time leaping and stuff. And he's, he's somebody who's very good at the kind of matrix of how things are connected to each other. So I think this is more taking it that complex things are happening and if anyone can figure it out, it's Loki. But I think what I'm saying is I found him a bit generic and I think, you know, Shakespeare is the word and it's great fun and I love it. But the thing is with Shakespeare is you've, you've got this deep character and, and I think you're probably right, Laura, if I come straight from the finale, I might have mm. seen character a bit more. But I think what I'm saying is I, I felt that I was really lacking. I didn't care about him very much. Well, it doesn't work coming <laughs> yeah. in just on this episode. Mm. I think, you know, particularly... It's not one of those ones where you could say to someone, come in at the second season, it'll be fine. <laughs> no. So, Matthew, you, you were saying about trickery. What was what was your take well, on that? Well, because the thing you've made me think of there, I, I talk about Destiny 2 every so often that does this, mm. some of these big space magic-y type stories, in that we've had the uh, witch queen of lies and deceit, mm. who has been shifted into, actually, queen of cunning Mm. And, and taking you know the same idea but actually what if you used it in a different way mm. and I could see them doing that with Loki of manipulating but to in, a, in an Ethan Hunt sort of way you know he manipulates and lies and, and has mischievous things mm-hmm. but but to achieve a noble aim and a, a mission aim so maybe that's the way they'll take it do you think we're going to get masks yeah well he just does <laughs> he just does looking like the other people the other thing that I think was good about this is the MCU wasn't in it. It, it. it had very little linking. Where I think, when I think back to Loki 1, I remember moments about the time, uh, the Infinity Stones. Mm. And we had stuff about Sif and Asgard. And we saw him watching the outcome of Endgame mm-hmm. and what would happen to him in the end and so on that way when he continued his life. Actually, this was no, this is now Loki's story. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to rely on that to get the, the people to watch it. I think think that this is going to be a fairly self-contained show. I think that we know that. Or I think that we've been told that we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they're just trying to get people to dial it back a bit when they try and yeah, join yeah, it up yeah. to wider things. But I think that's generally the message. Mm. Um, you threw me with the joke at the beginning, Matthew, because obviously I was I was going to talk about the title mm-hmm. um, a lot, um, Ouroboros, which I just, I thought, it, it made me laugh to start with before we so much as met the character, because I think that's definitely, you know, the snake that eats itself is mm-hmm. definitely a phrase I've heard applied to Marvel as as a brand yeah. um, <laughs> over so the years. can you, because I googled, but can you explain for people who haven't googled what the link is between the two? It's it's a, an ancient motif ascribed to variously ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, I think, and and a few. You know, it show it shows up as a motif, but it's sort of um, the snake eating its own tail. So it's a circle. You'll see it a lot on uh, all sorts of jewellery. <laughs> you also see it as effectively the infinity symbol as well. As I've seen it presented as well. Mm-hmm. So it is doing that idea, but it is just a snake eating its tail. Yeah, Where does it and start? it's Where does it's it about it's about continuity and. Mm. The cycle of, of you know, mm. um, you know what goes around comes around, things mm. come round, all of that kind of thing. And you know, I think in in terms of sort of answering um, answering the questions that this episode asks, I wonder if it really does come to any more than that. It has to be this way. It always has to be this way. This is the way. This is the cycle. This is how it goes. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see something towards the end of people just having to construct these things that seemed so terrible at the beginning, but they realise it's the only way and we will understand. Mm. And that would make series one much more interesting. Yeah. I think if you do sort of come to find why this kind of barbaric system of taking people in, in this way, why that comes around if it's not in fact organised by Loki himself in some way. And there's something fascinating about this kind of god of mischief actually being the person to impose order on time, I think that would be yeah, an interesting yeah. mm-hmm. storyline to go down. And not necessarily this Loki. Indeed. Oh, true, true. There is still the possibility of And in another piece of pop culture, the main character is uh, first found un- uh, as a baby 
in a box that says a robber Ross on the side uh, under a pool table in a pub. And so they're not sure whether to call him Rob or Ross. So they call him Dave and he grows up and it turns out he is his own father and leaves himself as a baby in a box under the pool table so the human race can never die. Is this Terry Pratchett related? Ah, it's Red Dwarf. Ah, okay. Well, it was going to be one of the two, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But just, you know, if anyone's still listening. Why wouldn't wouldn't you listen to that? (laughs) So when I Google, so that that looks like something that probably has a Google result attached to it, um, and saw this thing about this um, cycle of life and death and rebirth, etc., I did wonder, is this pointed towards time loop in some way? Mm. Uh, Could we be looking at that instead? Um, I don't think it would be as simple as that, though, because the changes. But I don't know, something something around that. I I feel Um, like they lean so heavily into the tropes of time travel on screen. Mm. Mm. That I feel like we are going to be getting some of that. So, so one of the questions I'm going to ask you when we when we start wrapping up is, who do you think pruned him? Um, mm. and, and that I think is going to be some for, for me. That's what, what I'm expecting. But stuff like, oh, he's damaged something, and then when he skips again, he sees it's still damaged, so he starts working out it's the future and the past, and then we see Mobius writing skin on the side of something, and then we see it in the future. So of course it must be the future, not the past. Oh, it's so useful mm. to to have you know tags on things to know where we are in time. It's it's. It's very, it's very neatly done. I appreciated the sort of uh, deft way they wove it in. I thought they did the scene with uh, where you've got um, Loki talking to Obi in the past, and then um, him remembering stuff as it's happening yeah. to him in the past. Very enjoyable. That, that was really fun yeah. and really well mm. done. However, that <laughs> is different time travel to Endgame, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Endgame is you can't affect the past because it's your future. I don't know it creates a multiverse, yeah. That, but yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton trained it to us. She knows it. She did. So yes, basically, <laughs> if you, Abby can just cut in everything Tilda Swinton says at the stage, that'd be really helpful. Um, but yeah, so that means we've now got the two different types of time travel. Although time Is travel... that because one of them's the sacred timeline or something? I oh, I'm wondering well, if time works if, differently if in TVA. Yeah, that's that's yeah, what I'm saying. They did say that a lot, didn't but they? But they say that a lot, but does it? Because they say that, but that's because Mobius doesn't remember there ever being anything else, but that's because he's been wiped. And then you've got OB saying, oh, it was 400 years ago when I last saw you, and yet he doesn't believe that time slipping is possible because time works differently in TVA. If you talk about something happening 400 years ago, that kind of sounds very similar to n- normal time. So I don't know. What's... Are we suspicious of OB at all? I was going to ask, OB seems like a a new kind of character in a way. Hmm. You know, another kind of almost like one of these steward characters just kind of there fulfilling these endless tasks hmm. and destinies. And uh, considering he's not really been out of that room <laughs> for 400 years and uh, hasn't slept in a while and is, is just kind of hyper-functional, I thought he did very well to come out of the room and stop doing tasks and, you know. I was thinking actually, could the Ouroboros just be him? The fact that he's constantly cycling, mm. where it could be as simple as just it's well, he's he never sleeps, he's just working. Do you know that that's that could mm-hmm. be the cycle that's actually quite something quite small and not something big that we're all reading into. Or it, it could just be the name of the character, and this is his introductory episode. Yeah, might be. I'm not suspicious of him. I'm, I'm guessing they put it there so that we'd have something to talk about. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be suspicious of him. And I hope mm. this isn't all we see. I hope he's sort of recurring through the series. The only thing, this whole thing where, why wasn't he wiped when other people were? Mm-hmm. That feels a little bit weird. Or, I don't know, maybe he was involved earlier, but he's only been wiped once. Do you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. Maybe he's, he's just busy. Memory. Yes, they probably just forgot about him, frankly, if he's down well, there. Well, that, that's, goes that's, down there. I, I think for, for me, it just bit lent into that trope of the sort of forgotten person in the archives. Mm. Yeah. That, yes. That kind of thing, which, but you have, you're absolutely right. We should be questioning it more. But then what, what technically could he be doing? Fixing things slightly wrong? So at a certain point, they all just... Well, he could, you know, so again, from the finale, um, when Loki is crowing that they got to the um, He Who Remains, and he mm. says... I laid the path for you. This was always what I was planning. So mm. you wouldn't have necessarily seen that. Having, you wouldn't necessarily 
um, thought that looking at what happened to Loki and Sylvia in um, season one. So maybe, I don't know, I'm just now suspicious of everybody because it's episode one. <laughs> Something to do. I think I, I did both appreciate and find it quite on the nose, the way that everyone kept telling me what they were doing all the time sort of repeating it to each other and I thought there was there was something almost quite endearing about it okay you've got to go to the thing and do the stuff and get the thing Mm -hmm. you mean I have to go to the thing and get the stuff and do the thing yes you have to go to the thing and do the stuff and get the thing I was like cool I feel like finally I know where I am (laughs) I think they needed to with some of the time loom and and what have you some of it was a bit weird quite quite you must wear the disintegrating time suit now yeah very good shout yeah 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 yeah. Little, little yeah big MacGuffin in whole I, I think thing. we, but it's very we said that with with the first series as well didn't they there were a couple of episodes that were very mm. very Doctor Who mm. and to no bad effect but have we got the same showrunner this time no the, the credits were very different no so season one we had Kate mm. Heron directed mm. I think all of them she was yeah. definitely put forward as the showrunner we had Michael Waldron who I think went on to write didn't he write Multiverse of Madness yes Mm. Yeah, which um, I was not happy. Which about. you were not happy about. Um, so we've now got Eric. I'm out of breath. Eric Martin. Mm. He was the staff writer on the first series, and now he's kind of the head writer. Um, but when you look through, quite a few of them have not really got many writer credits at all. So it's kind of like a new, and we've got different story editor as well because last time it was Bishke Ali. Who then mm. went on to write Ms. Ms. Marvel? Yes, right, marvelously. Yes. Um, mm. So, so from what I can see, I think Eric Martin is the only one who's still there from last season. Mm. I mean, um, Waldron is still an exec producer, mm. but we've got. But, but this is you have to get those credits in in mm. TV. You do if, if yeah. something you've worked on is still in the show. That kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. No, I mean he's a, as exec producer, not. Um, like as in in the credits, he's listed as a producer on mm-hmm. this series, mm-hmm. as well as him being like created by for uh, on IMDb. Okay. But this is what I'm saying is quite strange because I felt like Kay Haram was instrumental in mm. getting the first series to happen and had a very strong voice. Yes, you know I think if you sort of go and watch that um, assemble for Loki as well. And I, I mean I think we talked about her a lot yes. throughout, and she did lots. I the mean, show they did put her front and center. We did there were lots they, of interviews with her did. and things. Yeah, and I, I... she uh, she said she didn't want to come back for the second one because it takes over your life for two years mm, and she moved I can to imagine. LA and uh, mm. or wherever the hell they were Atlanta. Don't know. Interesting. Um, not where she's from. Um, and she just said that she had, because previously she'd done um, short films. Right. And that she had, so I think she might have, I don't know what's on her working on at the moment or in development, mm. but I think she's got eyes on a feature film potentially. Well, and that good she on her. To go on and do, but she said, you know, she'd be happy to come mm. back again in the future or something. Um, I just, I think that the show misses her, or I think that the show was her tone in a lot of places. And sometimes I didn't always feel like it was like my favourite tone sometimes uh-huh. i think it, it went to the fan fiction tone you know a perfectly respectful tone but not always the one i want to see in, in the marvel show not always yeah but at the same time i i felt like she had a a humor maybe that i was yeah. missing there was a slight sterility i felt to a lot of this and the things that were funny mm. i felt with the actors trying to really get us there where the dialogue was not always but again, no. I do want to, like, this is them. We dropped right in the middle of crisis with them in two of the timelines we're looking at the, the present. But and it the was future. still there was still humour in the crisis in the last series. I mean, yeah. they were always in a fair volume of crisis, and I, I think we've just kind of gone to a more neutral. I, it, it just feels a bit neutral. I'll be curious to see mm. next episode. Yes, because as I said, much yeah. as I love what Tom's doing in this one. I don't think I'm going to watch Loki doing that for six. You can't sustain no. it for... Um, no, I, I think it would then start to feel like, okay, well, his character's changed so much. We need some of the cheekiness to come back in. And I, I think, I suppose, it's almost the sort of point I'm trying to make about Obi kind of being this sort of bleak character and ostensibly presented to us as a very bleak, alone character doing mm. these things, but then suddenly thrown into the team doing the thing and he's just fine. Mm. And that, for me, is not marvellous 
fighting. Unless he... that that's a character point, and we are supposed to be suspicious of him, and he's not, in fact. Did like he that. feel bleak to you? His situation's bleak to us. Looking... Conceptually, yes. Yeah, but he seemed pretty. Yes, chipper. he did. Yes. Yeah, I'm really curious. I'm curious to see where that goes, and curious to see if it does feel like there's a divergence. At the moment, mm. I'm not feeling it from Kate Heron because absolutely she came in with her pitch and it was very strong um, mm. idea of what, what she wanted to do. So mm. this time we've got um, a directing pair, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They're doing this one and I think maybe three others, two, three others. And then we've Most got them, individual think, yeah. directors for the others. Um, and they've done two episodes of Moon Knight. Right. And so. we liked quite a lot of the work on Moon Knight, didn't we? I think. Yes, I think so. yeah, and, and yeah. I, I, th- I think they have a very good visual style. I, I enjoyed the sort of constant camera motion. They they didn't mm. cut very often. You would have a shot and it would pan across to see the other person in the room, the way yeah. that person's looking. It was, it was a lot of that sort of inclusion, which I enjoyed. Laura, I think that's what made it feel more like a physical space. It, it was really mm. hard. I had the same question because I, I was rewinding bits like... It doesn't feel like it's shot on a green screen, but also I don't believe they made these sets. So, you know, when they're walking down the big corridors and have the big doors to go through and stuff. I remember on the behind the scenes for season one, they had a huge amount of practical sets. Right. They pretty much made almost all of the TVA. Mm. And then you remember the, when they're on Lamentus One, the moon that's going to have the planet bash into mm-hmm. it. And they're doing that running around the city. Mm. And that was all Loads. a big set all, that they then walked shot. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, like, I think they were doing that style of shooting mm. to try to make it feel more like that rather than the Mandalorian and some of the other... Um, yeah, volume stuff. Yeah. Aren't we at the point where sort of using the volume, it kind of costs you as much as making the thing? And we're so used now to volume CGI. Mm. We've got so quickly into this massive technology but you think about all the lighting design alone and the volume and all of those things you know that's that's cost and actually practical stuff you reuse a lot of things you know marvel have a lot of things they have stuff from the first series um they have sets stages spaces they they have some space kit by this point and they have a lot of and a lot of people the volume is about it's normally location isn't it it's Mm. big yeah, landscapes and things where so much of this yeah. is inside mm. that I don't think that would work as as well. Yeah, you, you can repurpose. They were there with you know a desk and everything else was CGI. Yeah, 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 we're yeah. just all sat here, but just projecting. But, but then corridors. you know, well done them for filming it in a way that made Absolutely. it come across. Like, so Absolutely. Let's talk Sylvie. Perhaps mm. we've not really touched on her. She had uh, maybe half a dozen words mm. in the in the show. Um, a, a brief shot at the end that I think we'll return to, but then she had a post credit scene. Yes. Um, that I think could amount to a lot. It could just be a little interstitial. What were your thoughts on the post credit scene? I don't really care for Sylvie very much. And okay. She doesn't really add anything for me, so I just thought, well, you know. But she was in a McDonald's, and I liked the effort that they'd gone to. For, I was looking for the polystyrene cases and... <laughs> You know, I just, I was quite interested as well that it was a McDonald's, you know, with brand names. Mm. And, I mean, Disney, McDonald's, are they friends? Is that a thing? It was, I'd imagine, I'd imagine so. so. Yeah. You think but it, it did seem Disney conspicuous. And Happy Meal mm. deals and... Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it it felt so conspicuous for for something where, as you say, we've been very kind of set in the TVA and, and mm. you know, located in that space. Oh, and then what is more globally familiar mm. as a concept than McDonald's? Mm. Um, however, did they say that was Oklahoma? Because it didn't half look like Sorry, uh, Brox- or Wales or Broxton, something. Oklahoma, 1982. Does Oklahoma look like Britain? It does when you're filming there. <laughs> I don't know where this was filmed. Because more and more... I, was, I just found that really filmed, weird. <laughs> The 1982 Broxton, Oklahoma McDonald's location was filmed in a former restaurant building in England. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't say anything more about it. But I mean the outdoor bit, you know, when she Mm. was... I mean, Matthew, did you not think that looked But it doesn't say anything more about exactly where that was filmed. So Mm. I suspect that was a green screen, TBH. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It looked like where they filmed... Just for that shot, yeah. No, it it looked like where they they filmed the whole outdoor 
sequence in a field at some point in series one and i actually wondered if it was something left yeah. over from okay. series one like spare footage well, yeah maybe it is just footage they grabbed at the time b-roll laura yeah, any if... thoughts on the on the post credits on the post credit um again i think it lines up very much with where she is in that you know she says she wants to try everything and she's clearly not talking about the menu at that stage and it is this thing that she just wants a normal life she wants to have some happy memories mm. she wants to make some connections so um, I'm assuming we're going to see her start to have a bit of a normal life and then like, you'll crash back in. And then maybe there'll be a question, does she care? Does she just want to say, you guys deal with it? How fun would it be if every episode just have a, had a post-credit with her having a really different, nice time? <laughs> I'd lo- I would love that, actually. Much as I've just said I'm not that interested, I would be absolutely here for Sylvia's nice time in the post-credits all the way through. Well, so... So then that leads to the question, where in the timeline is the Sylvie at the end and mm. the Sylvie coming out of the lift? Uh, sorry, when you say, do you mean at the end, the post-credits? Yes. Is, is I think the that's Sylvie before. The... So, sorry, so... I, think, I think the post-credits is before the Sylvie in the lift. Right. I think post-credits is either at the same time as we're seeing Loki in the present or... Mm-hmm. In fact, yes, I, th- I think he, she's gone from he who remains to this. Right. To now have her normal life, as far as she's concerned, because she's dealt with that, and she didn't believe that other Kangs were coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So maybe she thinks that's it now. Mm. Um, and I think that because I think Loki's going to come crashing back in. Right. Did so? Did you see it as being maybe after I, everything's oh, sorted? Oh, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> didn't have any thoughts. Never known you to have an opinion, Matthew. <laughs> Because the the other question to the the thing that I particularly wondered is when she hid out in the previous series, she hid in apocalypses. Mm. So I don't think this is what they're doing. But are they about to set up an asteroid hitting Broxton, and that's why she's <laughs> hiding there or something? Like, is that what that is? What was her at? reason? She said she hidden them because something. It was, it was because um, there was no, she left no kind of time, energy or stamp or what have you because she couldn't impact events. And... Yeah, she could. So they mm. they prove it by Loki going to Pompeii, jumping about, telling everyone the volcano is going to go off, and basically doing stuff that should have left a time stamp. But because the volcano goes off, it wipes out any evidence of them ever being there. So she could just keep going to Apocalypse <laughs> and and hiding there because eventually the apocalypse right. would wipe out her existence hmm. at that time. I see. Hmm. So, so I mean, what what is is she just going to something where like nothing happens or something? No, oh, that's that's the, yeah. the the curious thing that I wondered. Should we be concerned for McDonald's? Yes. yes yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. And then someone we didn't see is Ramona Renslayer, mm. who at the end of the last <clears throat> series, she was off on the hunt for whoever's behind all this. So she didn't seem to have memories either. Um, and so she asked for a load of files from Miss Minutes, who we've also not seen, creepy Miss Minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and instead, she was given different files. And when she queried this, Miss Minutes said he thought these would be more useful. Now, more useful for what? Mm, interesting. And then we've got that recording. So the recording from He Who Remains, at least the cred- the um, closed captions say that it is He Who Remains and not a different mm. Kang, um, saying to Renslayer, for us full time, she says always. And then, um, Ravona Renslayer, you are quite a marvel. I will be proud to lead with you. You made a difference in this war. Thank you for being on my team. And it stops. Um, so that's interesting. It's all quite a marvel. Thing. Don't you think that's such a loaded word to it's use? Really, a marvel it is show. Interesting mm-hmm. word to have used. In in the build up to the marvels. <gasps> yes, it ties in mm. that she's actually related to Marvel. Something, 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 fill in the gaps. <laughs> but yeah, so and so that's in the past. Yeah, I would be very yeah. happy if Gugu Mbatha-Raw rocks up and it turns out there's four of them that they've sort of <laughs> hidden. Yeah, I'd like that. 
Um, but then, you know, something has gone seriously wrong in the future version as well, because that TBA is collapsing on the PA. It's saying all personnel report to your nearest time draw mm. evacuation point. So There's no one there. Yeah, the loom has exploded or something, I don't know. So, the big question then, who do we think pruned Loki when he was doth pruned? <laughs> I probably did it himself. Yeah, potentially. I think that's my, that would be my clever piece of writing. And and it's the fact that that seems the likeliest thing, that this is, <laughs> yes. that, that this is going to be Doctor Who, timey-wimey shenanigans, mm. that actually we, we end up in his perspective that he knows he needs to prune himself. It's the Bill and Ted writing. Oh, I must remember yeah. to do that when I, I have to go and get myself and from... Yeah, exactly. That makes me think it can't be. It can't be. They can't... It, uh, uh, maybe this is just the years of Doctor Who with them trying to subvert everything, anyone... If someone predicted it, they didn't do it on purpose. Maybe they haven't done their Marvel training. Maybe that was. Well, no, but I mean, for me, that's why training. I expect it to be subverted yeah. because of just the years of. So, who do you think it is to subvert it? Oh no, no, I absolutely think it's him. Yeah. You know. Oh, but think... to subvert it, <sighs> probably not even someone we've met yet, or oh. or Casey, Virgin Cordero, because he's he's a rising talent. Seeing him in yeah. more stuff, him and Ayo Edabiri, for the two seem to crop up in everything at the moment. So it could be Renslayer. Mm-hmm. It could be. I also think it's future Loki. It could be a Sylvie. I don't think it's a Kang. I'm very curious to see how much Kang we're going to see. Same. Same. Either through initial design or because they've decided to cut back actual film of him. Yeah. Um, because we've also we had the post credit scene, didn't we, in Quantum Mania? That's what I wanted to ask <clears throat> about. If that is that some kind of sign of of a quest that we're going to see in Loki, because you know, are they trying to go back through time to catch all the Kangs to stop them? I think there's something going on there. Mm. So I do, I do think they, based on that, they will be going back in time. I've not actually watched the trailer for this, not deliberately. Yeah. I just haven't got round to it. Yeah. No, um, I haven't either. So I don't know if there's more in that. There might be people yelling at the the um, pilots. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, you no, just so yelling at the wireless. I did, yes. Yeah, I I feel like there's got to, there's got to be some kind of sort of adventure in time thing. Yes, I think we're um, and I think the other thing to answer your question, Matthew, that you asked right at the beginning, which I didn't answer and talked about something else instead. Um, what what will we be looking out for? I think it's how much they're going to use the oh we're in the past, oh we're in the future motif as mm. we go mm. through and. I, I like the idea that we could do some interesting playing with that. Mm. Um, I'd rather not be kind of tricked by it, but I, I think it would be fun. Yeah. I I can see them doing it as the tricking being that, well, basically what Fast and Furious are now doing. Whereas <laughs> this was the story. Oh, but actually, if you were stowed over here, yeah. you would have seen just out of frame. There was this other character which was there. absolutely yeah. involved. <laughs> So I think it might be a bit like that in this thing with at the moment we don't know who that Loki is, uh, sorry, who the pruner is. Um, mm. But the whole thing with the phone going and everything, it did feel like he was that was in order to get him in that position. Right. Although I do find it really weird he didn't answer the phone because he just stood there staring at it for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And given his position where he rather desperately needs a stick thing, stood there staring at a phone for a long time, just didn't seem like the right, he almost seemed to be in like a trance or something. So um, I don't know what's going on there. Drum. One thing that has continued um, at great quality is the music. Absolutely. And you've still got Natalie Holt, and it really hit me when I fired up season one, just how good that music the is. The nickel harp. Then continued it through. Loved it. Sorry? The nickel harp. Beautiful. Okay, good. And also, um, the final credits, I thought, were really amazing. Like, really interesting and nicely done and... Good font and lots of... It felt like there was stuff in there that we maybe were supposed yeah. to read. I don't know if anyone did or thought anything about it. No, and some of it is the same as season one. That's it's the mm. same credits as season one. But some of the images are the same and some are different. Mm. So there's a little man in the spacesuit. Yes, yeah, and, like and bits that. from the episode. Yeah, but I didn't see anything where I kind of thought, ooh. That. Mm. But then often with these ones, I've not known until afterwards... No, you true. Down, you go, oh, you want that, that's obvious, Nice Easter eggs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I do love that music. That was just 
so good. It, I remember I did spend quite a lot of the end of 2021 listening to that soundtrack and I might go back and do it again. Do we want to see Doctor's Watch? Yes. We have two, two. Doctor's alumni. Good value. Who do we think? That guy. Okay, I might need a little bit more. <laughs> the one who had his face pressed by yeah. Kate Dickey, which we talked about at length, oh, the intense oh, gesture. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He she pressed his face. You put it to the side. It was the side. It was the back of his neck. That's all right. Side of his face. Him. Whatever. <laughs> no. Yes. Okay. Not him. No. <laughs> okay. Tom Hiddleston. No. I was really hopeful. Sophia no. Di Martino. Martina. Yes. Oh, okay. Excellent. Sylvie was in uh, Doctors. Um, and also we've got Wunmi Masaku who plays Hunter, uh, Hunter B-15. B-15. Did we talk yeah. about how great it is to see Hunter B-15 doing things and uh, being around? And having a bit more, you know, bit more, to her. A bit more character. I, I was about to say, Laura, you can set me straight on this, but I feel like she's got a lot more to do here, which yes. I really enjoyed. She got to, to actually act. And yeah, she, she did towards the end of the season much more mm. after she's enchanted by Sylvie and she starts to remember things and, and you know, and she helps them take over. Okay. But... I'd say even more so in this episode, yeah. And again, hopefully more of that. I am curious to see what's going to happen with this new one. Uh, was it B5 or something? B- no, X5. X5. Yeah, because I don't recognise the character, the, sorry, the actor, but apparently he is someone known. I wouldn't say very well known, but known from a couple of things. But so not Doctors. Might be a bit more. No, sadly not Doctors. Alas. I know. His career won't go anywhere. So I think that about wraps us up for our Robber Ross. Because I had a joke. Because <laughs> the more you do something... The, the funny repetition is a form of comedy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, next week we'll have our Scott or Gary. Um, we'll see what We're going to have to do that every week now. That's it. <laughs> if we get any answers to any of these questions, it might be a little while, Laura. You're going to have to keep questions. a list of these things. More questions. If you want to find us, you can look us up on some, maybe, social media sites at Eloquent Gushing. Um, you can check us out on Patreon, where if you love what we do, you can always support us, patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to check out our other shows, such as Worth the Calories, airing re- re- uh, episodes releasing now about the Great British Bake Off. So come join us talking about cakes. We'll talk to you next week. Marvellous. <laughs>